Hey guys, welcome to Thrive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Colin Zhu, and thank you so much for listening on. You could have been anywhere in the world and you decided to spend just a few moments of your precious time and we greatly appreciate it. Here on the podcast, we talk about three things, living a plant-powered lifestyle and enhancing emotional resilience and creating a thriving mindset. And I interview a range of passionate guests such as physicians, dietitians, coaches, entrepreneurs, and many more. And please join me as I deliver these engaging, informative, and high-valued conversations for you. And just remember, the first five seasons of the Thrive Bites podcast can now be found in the new The Chef Doc app, available in your Apple Store and Google Play stores. So what are you waiting for? Come on inside. Okay, guys, well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Eyes Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Colin Zhu, and thank you so much for being here with us. You could have been anywhere in the world, and you decided to share just your precious moments with us today, and I'm greatly, greatly, very appreciative today. So we have a wonderful, wonderful guest. Uh, her name is Sherry Sotelo, and she is a clinical professional counselor um, by trade. Uh, she's licensed in Nevada and has been working for over a decade um, as a psychotherapist. But she has a whole string of alphabets, <laughs> letters after uh, her name. And uh, we're definitely going to go a, a deeper dive um, into it. She works with a whole range of uh, concerns that her clients deal with, including but not limited to coping skills, anger management, depression, anxiety, relationship issues, um, as well as trauma, ADHD, and anything on the autism spectrum disorder. And she has a lot of experience dealing with physical trauma as well as emotional abuse. Uh, she's worked with, um, in the beginning, with a lot of homeless veterans with addiction problems as well as children victims of severe sexual trauma. And uh, she is a wealth of knowledge and we're super, super, super excited um, to have her. And so without further ado, please welcome Sherry. Hello. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. You know, I know you're a busy, busy woman. Um, I'm really, really glad that we connected um, offline, um, in person, <laughs> because nowadays, you know, it's very uh, rare, uh, at least for me, I don't know about you in terms of I interviewing and being a guest interview, having met someone um, in right. real life before actually seeing them and, in, in, uh, you know, and, you know, doing this. <laughs> <laughs> I know we don't get it that often. So it was so nice to see you for those three days during the convention. And yeah, yeah excellent. <laughs> so um, I love what you do. And, um, you know, this episode could really, you know, go over so many different topics and easily be several episodes. But I wanted to share with my audience, um, mainly, you know, the core of who you at, I like to start off with the super heroin origin story and how does someone go from point a to point b and so if you can share with the audience you know since you wear so many hats and play so many roles what role do you identify with um the most and what was the one light bulb moment that really turned you on into getting into this journey well i'll have to be very honest i think the biggest component of what brought me here today is being the daughter of an immigrant and coming from the Philippines in a very tight-knit community and family-oriented area in San Francisco, directly in the city, it was hard to not want to be that person that says, okay, I'm going to go reach out and I'm going to reach throughout the community and to the other people. And it was a lot of that whole, I think we know this well, it's a 
generally accepted that Asians will pursue education. They'll pursue hard, different working ethics uh, that leads down to a degree program after degree program. But more than anything, it was that being based in San Francisco, being just this little girl running around in the city full of hills up and down saying, who can I help? Who can I help? Who can I help? Well, I made an entire career out of that, which I'll never look back. It's amazing. I love it. I love it. Where does um, that urge of wanting to help people come from? Was that modeled from either one of your parents or was there like a specific mentor that, you know, you modeled yourself after? My, my father was probably my biggest inspiration and actually still is today. I have several younger siblings. Um, we range from I being the oldest, and I won't disclose completely within that fourth decade that I fall, but my baby brothers will be two next week. They're twins. So my dad was this person that was always so very generous, open, kind, but also in that same respect, he had a work ethic that was always a go, go, go. I'm going to provide for my family. And he taught me when I was younger that if you're going to succeed in life, make sure you know how to do a lot of different things because then you'll always have work. It may not always be what you want to do, but at the end of the day, when you have responsibilities, Mm -hmm. you can find a place if you don't narrow yourself, if you don't limit yourself, we can't be the best in just one thing. So be really, really great or really good in several things. And I'm watching Mm -hmm. him still do that today with my little siblings Everything that he's ever taught me in my life, I called him up one day, not too long ago. I said, dad, don't do anything different, please, because you're the reason I'm here. You're the reason I reach out in so many avenues of business, so many avenues in community service, so many avenues in veterans help. And I will actually be going to do more in the Philippines and doing educational components there, mental health awareness, drug addiction awareness, and offering a bit of hope because my dad did the same thing Uh, in Mm. 2012, going back and building a green city or designing a green city. And that's just what he's taught me is the right thing to do. I held on to it, never looked back, never let it go. And I'm watching all of us come together again and continue on this mission of there's going to be a greater good if we just try, just don't stop. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Um, I think, um, you know, having, for those of us that are lucky enough to have a parent to role model after, um, you know, for me, it's my mother. So to be able to still continue and still receive that inspiration to this day um, is very heartwarming. And, um, you know, I'm very, I'm very humbled. I'm sure you're very humbled by your own father. And to continue to look at that, look at him as a continued mm-hmm. inspiration is, you know, very priceless, I would imagine. Yeah. It is. And, and that's really that priceless word, that phrase is something that resonates probably deepest within me is because my kids, the no income and low income children, my veterans, I don't charge for therapy services. They give mm. so much and they're the most vulnerable. It's those moments that's invaluable. We have this ability. We all have an ability somewhere, somehow to give. That's my contribution back. Mm. And that's what my, again, what my father taught me is that Money doesn't mean anything. It helps you get through, absolutely. But at the end of the day, the stuff that touches the heart isn't on paper and isn't in coins. Mm, For sure, for sure. And I really like that. Well, let's take a step back. Um, You know, 
dig, you know, going into a deeper dive, um, you know, putting ourselves, you know, you have the beginning of the pandemic, <clears throat> you have where we're at now. And if we're going into mental health, for whatever reason, you know, as unfortunate is as a common through line for all of humanity to kind of, you know, go through all this, mental health has kind of risen up and bubbled up, you know, through right. the cracks and up to the surface and people are more aware of this. Ha as you, as a therapist, you know, coach, have you seen anything in your clients that have, you know, that they themselves have faced differently post-pandemic than they were before COVID? And, you know, how did you, you know, adjust for those, you know, differences? This is such a huge question, and I'm absolutely grateful to be able to have the opportunity to answer this on a podcast like this, something that reaches so many individuals, especially within our respective fields. Because prior to pandemic, I was actually retired. I was very happy in Oklahoma on 10 acres with my hobby farm of 95 animals, making organic body products based on what I can get from my baby crew. Now, pandemic came around and I've always kept my license active. I watched the uptake in depression, anxiety, suicide attempts, suicide completions. I hate both of those words meaning what they do. But those are the pop psychology words that people can resonate with. And it's important to use those. For this matter, my board actually contacted me and said, hey, your active license, what do you think about coming back? Would you be able to come in and see this overwhelming amount of people that now face mental health issues? And we've always had a shortage in our field. Mm. We're at probably about 40% of what is really necessary. Just, And that's just in the state of Nevada. So I said, absolutely. I packed myself up and I came back into practice, back into Nevada, into Las Vegas particularly. And I said, okay, what can I do to help? And ironically, finding a lot of what I found is that the clinical criteria that we all use as professionals to make these diagnoses so that it's sound, it's ethical, and it's applicable, all of a sudden were very exacerbated in so many different directions. And there's it was a twofold reason for that. One, being in isolation and all of us as a world population, we're limited in what we can do, the resources we can access, and left to our own accord and a lot of social media. So mm -hmm. here people found themselves diving into, okay, if you're an extrovert, well, I'm not getting my social recharge. I don't know what to do. I'm feeling very stir crazy. But then if you're an introvert, you know what, I've had this amazing two and a half years. It's been great. I didn't have to go outside. Well, here we are post pandemic with both parties suffering. So that covers globally, adults, children, seniors, anywhere across the board. It's we have now entered into a social realm of a different world. When we stepped out of those doors of our homes, our domiciles, our educational facilities, our military facilities, we looked at the world different. Everybody came out just a little bit more fearful, mm. a little bit more scared of, are they going to take away our ability to do this again? So heightened anxiety. The children, especially the young children working with pediatricians uh, for a very long time and saying, okay, we need to reassess what this looks like. Just because we have a startle response on somebody doesn't mean that they've automatically developed clinical anxiety, generalized anxiety disorder, social anxiety, or any level of agoraphobias. No, it's this has been the offset of what is coming out of being 
a pandemic state. Now, as of May 11th, 2023, we will no longer be in this pandemic state. All restrictions are lifted. However, our brain is our biggest operating system for our body. Our brain remembers exactly what that was like six months ago, 12 months ago, 24 months ago. And it doesn't help us when a black and white policy can't penetrate that brain that says, hey, it's a, it's going to be a little bit different out there. For those of us that lost our jobs, for those of us that lost family members, the world doesn't look the same outside. We're going to have to come into a new version of us, but who is this new version? How do I know what to do with it? How do I know what I can turn to and what sources are reliable at this point? But for those that didn't get to grieve, now they're coming out into the world and looking at the world around them that are missing those individuals that they love so much. And now is the depression. Mm. Some turned into other methods of coping, whether it's alcohol, drugs, sex, um, high-risk behavior, just erratic behavior, and are ready to absolutely explode with all of this energy to get out there and say, okay, well, I'm going to do it all because I don't know if it's going to be taken away. Mm. We, we've stepped into what we've, not, we've never seen in our lifetime. And this is where the mental health clinicians and the physicians were coming together and saying, okay, how do we hone all of this behavior in? And how do we not overdiagnose, underdiagnose, misdiagnose, uh, miss something along the lines? Mm -hmm. Because that becomes another whole scary uh, series of events that can lead to a number of problematic things. One of the biggest things comes with also the project that I completed throughout this last year from 2022 to 2023 is the faces of illness. During pandemic, people were not allowed to see their doctors. We did telehealth visits left and right because that was the safest method for the community as a whole, for the world as a whole. However, when someone who goes in unknowingly under this anxious state or under this depressed state because of the isolation and the only outlet they have is this small little camera hole that says, okay, maybe someone's going to listen. They can easily describe these physical symptoms that were happening left and right. But it also came out sounding like anxious symptoms or depressed mm -hmm. symptoms. And so they were pawned off as mental health clients and not medical clients. Mm -hmm. So lo and behold, many, many clinicians like myself were handed these people left and right as we opened our doors to take in more clients at one point, I had upward of 160 clients, more than half of those, because I do keep track of my medical versus mental health clients. They had medical concerns that were left untreated because they could not be treated. And so mm. they were medicated and diagnosed for these mental health conditions. I easily will go in and redact it because that stays on a permanent health record. But through that, I was also able to help them make these bit of connect the dots of medical symptom, physical symptom, offset or and or domino effect to the mental health part that was aggravated by it. And by that, just easing that body, easing that mind and saying, okay, now let's go ahead and get this all treated. So that when mm -hmm. we do get to step out of the doors again, into this brand new world, you're not going to feel like you're under the veil of two diagnoses. Mm -hmm. It's one big solution, one big answer. Even if the answer is, I don't know yet, that is a much better answer than I'm never going to know. I'm never going to have this right. I'm never going to dot, dot, dot. 
So that's really what I've had to do in this post-pandemic state and during pandemic is calm the nerves, set up that neutral self-talk, allow the person to have grace with themselves, comfort in what they do know, validate that, yes, their feelings are very real, whether it's a physical ache or an emotional state. They deserve to be heard just like anybody else. Yeah, there's so many uh, points to what you just said. My first uh, question would be, you know, having that redaction, for example, and really teasing out what's supposed to be there and what's not supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. What was the feedback from some of your clients when you were able to do that? Do they feel like less, um, I guess, uh, burden and anxious um, because they're not, you know, being quote unquote labeled and and misdiagnosed or... Absolutely. It's, that's probably one of the most beautiful things and why I do what I do for so long, upwards of 12, 14 hours a day, because it is, it's that you mean I'm okay. You mean I'm normal. You mean that there's, there's a way to help this and it doesn't have to stick around forever. It's like, no, absolutely not. It doesn't have to stick around. We are empowered. We're empowered with whatever knowledge that we're allowing ourselves to take in. And it's really that piece that I'm able to watch, I think that's, that is such the highlight of my career is watching Mm. one person take that empowered moment and saying, oh, that light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. I tell them that light belongs to somebody else. You have a flashlight, turn it on. Mm. What direction do you want to walk? You tell me where you want to go and I'm here for the ride. And then they take these sometimes very drastic, very grave um, medical conditions. And they're like, you know what? I got this. This is fine. Because my headset says, I'm going to go do something about it. I want to go feel better. I want to go eat better. I want to add exercise. I don't have to talk to myself in a certain negative way because the only voice up there is my own. If I'm going to put anything up there, why can't it be nice? Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the main component of the type of therapy that I do as I pull all together these symptoms and say, you know what, maybe that depression that was diagnosed here through a medical doctor actually was really that type one diabetes that Mm -hmm. depresses the system. I explain it a lot like car mechanics. If one part of a car mechanics is off, guess what? We feel it when there's a spark plug that is fouled out. We feel that jerking. If the tires are really low, we have every bump in the road that we feel. If We don't put the gas in, meaning our food, our nutrition in a proper, healthy way that's balanced. A car does not move without fuel. So what can you expect from yourself? If you don't know these things, then you don't know. So let's get to the knowing part. Let's get to the resources part. Let's get very proactive. I'm completely solutions focused oriented in so many ways. And it's like, let's make those lists. Now let's tackle the lists. And then let's highlight the list and you tell me which ones you're going to keep and which ones you want to get rid of, because this is your life and Mm -hmm. I'm just here to support you. Mm -hmm. Tell me what we're going to do. And that's how even right down to those redactions, those come out because they don't need to be there. Mm. I love it. There are so many different kinds of mental health um, professionals, behavioral health professionals, Mm -hmm. and coming in with different experiences, different skill sets. Having gone through the COVID, you know, personally and professionally, do you feel like you have learned something new um, about yourself? And did you had to adjust, you know, for that? 
or did you just view COVID as kind of like a, a, a unique <laughs> zebra-like, you know, source of trauma that, you know, okay, let me just kind of, you know, still be able to apply the same things or did you have to learn something new to be able to apply? Oh, I definitely had to learn several new things, several new techniques. I've been a trauma specialist since 2007 and there is different types of traumas for all different types of ailments, different life experiences. COVID provided something brand new, something that more often than not, it actually affected the clinician in as close of a degree as it affected clients. And so really creating this whole new set of boundaries, that was so very important. Myself coming down with COVID twice, actually once very early in 2019, or I'm sorry, the late of 2019, before it was really heavily identified. Um which then also spawned a research part of my brain. I was like, okay, I want to know more about this, but I want to know how this affects the people. And so trauma treatment became a whole new aspect of this humanistic component and not just the cognitive behavioral therapy mm -hmm. that most people just want to endure and say, okay, just give me techniques, give me tools. It really had to do with a big global understanding and creating that global understanding for the client so that they can heal in a proper way and they can heal in a time sensitive way. You don't want to drag this on year after year after year still grieving. So it's implementing that grief component, the personal self-care component on top of the trauma desensitization components. So I've had to pull in all of my experience. I'm trained in all three branches of psychology, I've done that PhD in clinical psychology, but Jungian based out in Carpinteria. I've done the health and the health psychology through a different type of PhD than the industrial and organizational psychology PhD, because that's the work psychology. All of a sudden, every single avenue of these have become a traumatic event for each of the individuals. Mm. And so for the first time ever, this notion of very complex trauma is also piggybacking on a standard type of trauma that we're just getting used to. I, I think you know this so well, we all do, is those continuing education units. Mm -hmm. Left and right, there were clinicians, there were professors, there were panels and boards creating brand new educational units. How can we do this as a whole, as a community, as a profession? How can we help treat this? What, what do we need to do different, plus also honor ourselves in the same moment? Because this is hitting so close to home. It's unlike many, many things that we've ever seen where we can easily reference a DSM and say, oh, well, if it's in this book, you know, I know how to treat A, B, and C, and D. Because we have that just that small degree that maybe is far enough off to not have any suffrage in that area. Couldn't do that with COVID. So really that inward, outward, and boundary was the new face of what I had to deal with personally and making mm -hmm. sure, okay, am I doing the right thing, operating from the right place and providing the right type of care so that we could all get back to living in a very, very healthy way or as healthy as we can. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that's interesting how, um, the type of stressors and trauma that affected a client is as close as what's affecting the professional. Um, mm -hmm. And that's very, very, um, you know, key, you know, because it's uh, it's an event that we all had to, you know, go through and continue to go through. So stepping away from, you know, the COVID context and 
um, as a result of COVID and as, you know, more of the awareness of mental health is spotlighted. From your perspective, do you feel like, you know, there are certain aspects of trauma um, that we have yet to, I guess, um, you know, really understand or really empathize with mm-hmm. as a society and not just make it into another like, you know, cultural trend or hashtag or anything like that. But is there something that we have yet to need to fully understand um, about, you know, trauma in general? You know, of, of course, it's great that it's brought up to the awareness and people are more cognizant and more mindful of it. But I feel like there's still yet a lot more we have yet to do. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey guys, what's going on? This is Dr. Colin Zhu, aka the Chef Doc, and I am here again. We're always giving back. Nature, being out there, traveling, globe trotting, you know, scuba diving is a huge passion of mine, especially before COVID. And I've been humbled and blessed to be able to touch every single continent on the planet and being able to witness firsthand climate change, whether that's, you know, uh, witnessing and observing bleached uh, coral reefs off of the Great Barrier Reef, off of Queensland, um, Australia, or just watching, you know, glaciers actually uh, tumble and fall and due to uh, global warming off of the Antarctic uh, Peninsula. And so it's a huge to be able to, being able to contribute and give back as a human being, as a global citizen, as a planetary steward. You know, I believe that everyone has a right and responsibility because they just live on planet Earth to be able to be conscious and give back and make conscious choices of, you know, understanding what their uh, footprint uh, means and what understand what their choices mean. So One Tree Planted is a nonprofit organization uh, dedicated mainly to help everyone plant trees and to better um, the environment. Their tagline is pretty much every product that is sold, especially um, every dollar that is um, you know contributed actually goes towards um, planting one tree on land. Their partnerships uh, span the globe and they partner with a lot of local communities to be able to do this with the hope of creating an impact for nature, people, and the wildlife. Reforestation helps to rebuild forests, especially after wildfires and it helps to rebuild homes um, after natural disasters, especially being able to uh, replant trees after natural disasters. And it also provides jobs for social impact. And what's really cool about them is that they make sure that their mission and vision aligns with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Sea Trees is a nonprofit organization based in California. Their parent organization, Sustainable Surf, uh, advocates and empowers others and inspire others to inspire actions that promote ocean um, health and also using that to reverse climate change. The ocean contains actually 90% of carbon of the global carbon cycle. And it's, you know, a lot of things that people don't know is that it actually sequesters a great amount of carbon dioxide than any other ecosystem on the planet. So Sea Trees helps to partner with local communities, brands, social entrepreneurs, and scientists that know how to regenerate ecosystems 
in our you know, oceans and rivers, lakes and, and tributaries. And if you wanted to learn more, please go to the new website, thechefdoc.app slash backslash social responsibility. And thank you very much. And I'll see you on the next one. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. And there is a lot to do, um, and it's a perfect time to bring this in now more than ever because telehealth has allowed us to provide services around the globe. I see patients globally, but what we're not um, recognizing more now that, or I'm sorry, what we're recognizing more now is that so much of our trauma has to do with our physical ailment, not just our mental health conditions that go along with it. And so I think the sensitivity really needs to develop around what are we all suffering from that we cannot see on the outside? And there's a lot of these different documentaries and different shows that really show this deep, dark, grim picture of what illness is and how, oh, to expect this and then to expect that. And it's just this downward slide. But what about the people that look like me and you? What about the ones that don't wear that illness on the outside? Do we lose the sensitivity for those individuals? Well, we've become more abrasive because of the pandemic. Everybody's very much looking out for their self at this point, And that self-care has to come in absolutely first. There's no disagreement, though. You'll never find me in a point of contention with that. But knowing that so many people suffer from the inside out, and you may not see it on the outside, is something that we really need to create because that traumatic event for those individuals that don't look ill, they feel terribly dismissed. They feel terribly disregarded. They internalize so many things. It leads to a deeper depression, a more heightened anxiety, a lot of eating disorders or disordered eating. This whole view of, some may call it cynicism, about how to handle being sick, but not looking sick. And nobody cares. And because everyone's just out for what they can live through post pandemic. So understanding that trauma is sometimes not what you would see on the outside, but the questions that you're willing to ask and find out from somebody else, if their trauma is there, if a trauma exists, and if for some reason, something that they're doing also feels traumatic to them. And this is that that global condition we really can do that doesn't cost us anything. It's ask the question, hey, how are you doing? What do you need? Is there anything I can do for you? Is there something I'm doing that doesn't just feel great because none of us want to feel in that negative light or in that negative headspace very often? So what can I do? And when the person says, oh, well, I don't feel good, don't dismiss it. Really, what's wrong? Ask the questions. Who's it going to hurt? It Trust me, it won't hurt the person that just felt this ounce of relief or a boulder taken off their entire chest because somebody actually cared to ask just because they didn't look ill. So changing that perspective is a huge factor of what this continued trauma on a day-to-day basis is going to, going to need. This is what our society needs. I'll give you a very prominent and sad story. The other week, my dad calls me and said, 
hey, your little sister told me something. It's like, yeah, what'd she tell you? Because, you know, kids are great. She's four years old. She's barely four years old. Those are my favorite four-year-old little girls. They have such, such good vocabulary and ideas. And she asked my dad, why is, why is Uncle Al bald? My dad goes, I, you know what? I don't know. Why? Well, is he sick? Does he have cancer? Does that mean he's going to die? That broke my heart. Why would a four-year-old believe that bald heads is cancer, illness, and impending death and doom? This is what's seen all too often. I know she can't pick up the remote on her own, but when she has it, it's on TV. She can't turn on or purchase that iPhone or that tablet, but when she does get one in her hands, that's what she sees. Mm. And it shouldn't have to be this way. It really doesn't. I have worked so hard in the last year and a half to try and provide a different image of illness. And here, one just slipped right under my nose, my own little sister. Mm. That How many kids do we know that that's what they see? So that's the only place they'll have empathy is those that look ill. How about those that don't look ill? We need to create a global empathy, mm. but we need to change that worldview. Mm. Yeah, that's a uh, that's very beautiful um, in terms of you know the way you uh, are able to paint that, and it goes back to that saying you know don't judge a book you know by its cover, um, <laughs> and, and it's, I have it's my true. book with its cover. Oh. You know how, like, you know, back in the day, we do the, do those uh, book socks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are fun. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so there was one more, uh, one more point I was, uh, I was gonna go make. The hi, how are you? Is there mm-hmm. anything I can do? To me, growing up as an American is really seen as a fleeting pleasantry type of comment, yes. and there's no actual intention of following through with the answer that you may or may not receive on mm-hmm. from the other other person and to me that's the asterisk and and that's a different kind of conditioning that we've you know gone through as a society but i've oh man i've had so many comments from foreigners you know that i know of and they're just like flabbergasted on you know why would someone ask that if you're not even going to stay in one place or even bother to listen, you know, for the follow-up. And, um, and I think it's a, it's a brilliant, simple way of really tapping into, um, you know, just a window, a window of opportunity for someone to exchange, you know, anything, right. Mm -hmm. You know, anything. And, you know, I, I, I would be just really saddened if it continues uh, to just be a perpetual pleasantry and not actually given the moment to actually follow up and, you know, really, really, you know, hear that person out. Okay. Are you ready for the answer? Cause I do have that answer. <laughs> Please lay it on uh, me. So I do this, oh, gosh, I don't know, 30, 40 hours a week. And I tell people this, that what can I do to help is silent support because the opposite is unsolicited advice. As Americans, we know unsolicited advice is never welcomed easily. But that invitation of you may not want to speak right now, but please know in the back of your head that when you are ready, I'll be here. And I cared enough to ask. Sometimes that's enough to generate a type of movement within that individual that says, "Uh oh, I'm recognizing that maybe somewhere externally, I am perceived as 
not feeling great or not happy or not anything. And maybe I can do something about it. Or the thing that the one person needed was some sounding board, was someone to lean on, was someone to just sit there and be able to say, oh, man, that's that's just horrible that, you, that you're going through that. And that's all the comfort they needed. Because we're not here to necessarily fix anybody's problems. As a clinician, I can say that. I cannot fix anyone. Everyone has to choose to fix themselves to whatever degree that they can. But when somebody offers that, hey, what can I do to help? It's learning from that individual to say, you know what, can you just can you just listen? Or if you don't have time to listen right now, I can throw it out at you later. Or, you know what, it was simply just an acknowledgement and a validation and a response I needed all wrapped up into one to know that you saw me. Hmm. Americans are very stubborn this way about not necessarily wanting to ask for help. And so if we can open the door, at least open the door, let them know that they can walk in whenever they choose. So we'll separate out that notion of there's an obligation for an answer in that moment, because more often than not, the answer is nothing. I'm okay. Because truly, there's nothing that you can necessarily do, but you just help them do what they need to do. Mm -hmm. At least be given the moment of being seen and heard. I think yes. that and right by itself is very, very powerful. You know, just, just being acknowledged, super, super powerful. So yes, I hope that we can continue to be more mindful and continue to uncondition ourselves to actually stop yes. and, you know, listen. So. Be there for that person. Yeah, <laughs> you exactly, can do. exactly. Or else just don't ask the question. <laughs> right. Yes, please. Yeah, just don't even, it's just like, hey, you know, just keep walking. <laughs> so moving on to, you know, the the projects that you are working mm -hmm. on, have been working on, I, I you know, I, I use that, you know, word, you can give me a better word, um, is the psych series and the faces of illness. What mm -hmm. are those for the audience that, you know, don't know what those are? And what do they represent, you know, for you and your contribution to everything? Okay, so the psych series, much like anything about a series, we love series in the United States. Everything that's going to be good, we're going to do it more than once or we're going to expand it into a whole nother direction. I did that with my education. I did that with my career. So I have a whole on the psych series.com. You'll see personal development. So I literally, you could almost track where my career went by education from that early, I'm sorry, late teens, then through the 20s, and then into my 30s and into my 40s. You see how each one is kind of stacked sequentially. Just imagine for all of these topics, I've put in a degree program for the most part or certificate program. And this is something I practice. So this is where you can find that one stop shop because it's entirely too difficult to go see a clinician. And then, but you have a business idea, and so you're going to go find a business coach, or you have that health issue you got going on, and you need a new fitness plan. So where are you going to find that personal trainer? 35 years in that industry, or that nutrition coach. So four different types of nutrition training, certification, and education. But you also need that therapist that's going to be like, oh, and Sherry, in that moment that I was dealing with all of this, it created anxiety and this depression, and then led down to relationship issues, right down to that whole sex and intimacy thing that we don't want to talk about. Well, I have that covered too. 
But then we're going to go into how can I heal myself? Let's go into some guided meditations. Let's go into some sound healing. Let's take it further. Let's blend this Eastern and Western medicine and ideology. And uh, post-pandemic, we know this very well. Everyone is really grasping on, please give me every single way I can possibly heal myself. And right down into that executive coaching. Why? Because even our business structures need healing. This mm. corporate retraining idea. I have worked in corporate world since 1995 and 94. And it's that notion and concept of it's the rat race. It's the rat race. It's I'm going to be above here and I'm going to be above there. Well, we saw where that got us and post pandemic that doesn't apply anymore. Look at what Gallup says is the new employee base for health and wellness, go on a retreat. So I developed retreats. There's a whole retreat mm. site. I'll be doing one for the face of illness and then one for just general, general illness, then general healing, general mm. wellness, and then creativity. Why? Because creative parts of our brain exist. You know, we have two halves, may as well try and see how many we can use at the <laughs> same time. So it's building all of these things out. And the psych series allows you to basically pick through this almost what used to be a puzzle for so many people. And it's like, oh, click that button. Okay. Yeah, because that's, I needed that. And then I, I needed that meditation piece and I needed, I need some business ideas or I, I want to expand that business idea. So I figured let's just put it all in one shot. And everything revolves around our brain at this point. We know that. Um, so the psychology, that's our psych. Our psyche is our mind. And so it's a nice adventure through the mind. That's the psych <laughs> series. I love, then it. There's, I love it. Thanks. It's, then there's the faces of illness. And actually it started out as the face of illness, which was me, because anybody that looks at me goes, oh, you're fine. Gosh, you go work out and you do this and you owned a construction company and you ride motorcycles and you scuba dive and you hike and you build things. I mean, like you can't be ill. Really? Okay. I am very but you know what? The mindset is what keeps me going. I'm a, according to my neurologist, I'm a medical anomaly. I shouldn't be here right now. But you know what? I mm. am proving everybody wrong. Why? Because I can. Who's going to tell me no? So I came up with this notion. And this was also because of the different people I was seeing come through telehealth that were really, really depressed, really, really anxious and coming out and finding out, well, those were really, really the side effects of the medical conditions going on. And so it wasn't clinical criteria from a mental health state that was allowing these symptoms to be exacerbated. But again, we are one big mechanical unit. When one item is affected, the entire housing is affected. Okay, mm -hmm. so let's, let's do something more about it. And what I found is self-esteem was being attacked. All of this perception failure to want to engage in relationships because I'm sick because they had this notion just like my four-year-old sister that well if it's sick it's sad and it's ugly and it's this mm. and it's that I said you know what I have this wild idea how about we change that face of illness how about we glam it up a little bit how about we do the one thing that I made sure that I did in the moments that I could it's freeze that moment in time. Why? Because I'm never going to get that minute back. So if in the next minute or every minute hereafter, I can't walk and I can't speak and I can't hold my head up, I have that picture of mm. that moment that I could. And it's a beautiful picture. And there's that light bulb 
that just, I mean, it may have been track lighting, it may have been flood lighting, whatever it was, it was, mm -hmm. why can't I do this for others? Because mm -hmm. it's how I thrive every day. Mm. It's that notion of, I have this minute, I'm going to maximize this minute, and I'm going to freeze it in time. And so I gathered a handful of individuals and said, hey, are you, do you think you're ready to change what you believe is your face of illness? That very dreary, that very loathsome, sitting in despair, and blank faces and humbled hair. Mm -hmm. And I got that little spark in an eye and say, well, okay, but what do I have to do? Just show up. Absolutely, just show up. I'll take care of everything else. And I did. Contacted this celebrity makeup and hair artist, just phenomenal individual who mm -hmm. I went out on a limb. You, I, this felt like the biggest cold call sales pitch ever. I'm like, hi, Christopher. I don't know if you remember who I am. I was on a photo shoot with you. I have this idea. Do you think you'd be interested? I got a phone call right away. And I didn't realize that in that moment, he had an awakening that I only found out about about a month ago. Mm -hmm. A year later, he was ready to quit the hair and makeup industry for the celebrities because he said it wasn't fulfilling. It didn't have a purpose. It wasn't bringing anything to anyone. Mm -hmm. And so I told him this notion of, I want to take these very sick individuals and that quote unquote, very sick individuals. And I want to give them a makeover and I want to have um, photos taken for them so that they can pass them out to their family. They can do whatever they want to do. But I'm going to put it in a book. I want to do a coffee table series mm. just called The Faces of Illness. And each one's going to have their own little thing, their own little subtitle. And would you be interested? And it was magical. He said, absolutely. I've been waiting my entire life to do something like this. So I... Then grabbed another amazing individual, an entertainment photographer here in Las Vegas that does all of like the Cirque shows, that big, that type of big production. I'm mm. like, hey, um, do you think, do you, I don't know if you know who I, I, I know you don't know who I am. I'm going to be working with so-and-so. Do you think you can take photos for me? Because you're an entertainment photographer. So I know you know how to take movement and everything else. And I don't know what we're doing yet. And he's like, that sounds awesome. Mm. So a lot of people, I booked it. And we did it. And I watched the one thing that happened that made me absolutely believe that I made the right decision. And it's going to be the decision I make for the rest of my years is when these people sat down in the chair with Christopher, nervous, afraid, um, no self-esteem, no confidence whatsoever. And Christopher just got going a little bit of makeup here, a little bit of laughs there. And next thing you know, they popped out of this director's chair <laughs> and they're like, okay, let me get in front of the camera. I think I'm ready to go. I bought them all dresses and those transformer dresses. So you can make mm -hmm. it anything you want because my goal was for them to believe they can be whatever they want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Here, you're free to design yourself. Here's your moment. And every single one of these beautiful individuals from the time they rose from that director's chair, that makeup chair, they have never gone back to that self-defeating way, to that lack of confidence way, to that I suffer from illness. They're like, oh, yeah, no, 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 I have an illness. We're fine. I've got harder things like teenagers and um, work and uh, utilities, <laughs> you know, adulting stuff. But the illness, yeah. no, I'm, I'm okay. And so here I am. It's The books just came out, so I've received my author hard copies. Ooh. Look how beautiful they are. And it is I, beautiful. And I 
designed even this about with the glass. Yes, I did all the graphics and everything else. So I love it. Please don't judge. Don't judge what doesn't look great. It's just me. I did all of this on my own. Um, I didn't hire anybody for it, <laughs> and just having to come through it. and see how they go through makeup and how they go through different things and all these different conditions. And every bit of it goes into funding volume two, which is going to be making every moment count. And so I have mm -hmm. a whole new, a whole new set of individuals because now we're able post pandemic to come out with our families. I've decided to make this more of a family unit. Mm -hmm. And right. Because we, it affects beyond the individual. Yes. Yes. And so I, suppose I can disclose that we are going, I say we, I usually, when I say we, I, it's just me and my 10 personalities that do 15 jobs. Um, <laughs> it's being uh, turned into a documentary. Yes. And so the production of book number two is actually going to be documented. And I couldn't, I mean, my head is still spinning. <laughs> I was mm. like, how does this happen? It's because it affects everybody. And we mm -hmm. do need to have this different impression of what illness is because it mm. does change the mental health. And then it changes our engagement and our desire as human beings to engage with one another. And this is where that whole global wellness can come back and we can arise and awaken from a pandemic state that felt like a dark cloud over all of us. Mm. Now we can lock arms and say, yes, we all have this in common, but let's change it. Let's make, let's it. make it pretty. Let's doll it up. Why not? <laughs> I love it. There's so many aspects <laughs> to what you just said that I adore. You know, number one, it's, you know, going again back to not judging a book by its cover. And then there you go. You have a beautiful, you know, beautiful book. And and you're even like, you know, don't judge, you know, my own DIY design and graphics. And <laughs> I'm like, did you, did my what, best. Did we just spend the what did we just spend the last 45 minutes talking about? <laughs> it, yes. But, and that's the thing is, that's why the broken glass Let's yeah. shower our old notions. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, one thing I love about this is the fact that, um, you know, you use the word impression. And, you know, I asked the question, you know, what do we still have to uncover yet to learn about different facets of trauma, right? I mean, it wasn't that long ago where we made physical health and mental health two distinct things. And yes. because it was invisible, it's not really real, right? right. Um, and so COVID, you know, which is interesting because COVID is invisible. And mm -hmm. so, you know, in a way, it's kind of like synonymous partners, um, you know, coming up to the surface. And the fact that, you know, you went from face of illness to faces of illness and did it in a very creative, artistic way. I loved how, you know, the two different uh, photographers, um, you know, came, stepped forth to really, you know, both produce this beautiful, you know, type of work. And at the end of the day, it's a different way of showcasing um, how people receive information. You know, I've been a content creator, you know, really just educating health and wellness, you know, at large for, you know, for, for some time. And you learn that people receive and learn information differently, whether mm -hmm. it's listening, visually, kinesthetically, tang you know, needing to, to you know, hands-on approach. And I love how, you know, you went from, uh, working, you know, in a very traditional sense. And, you know, that could be very invisible, right? And mm -hmm. to a point where 
now you can hold something in your hands, right? And you could showcase it. You could, you know, it's, it's, it's multiplicative, you know, it, it could be, you know, everyone can hold it, you know? And the fact that you're going to do a documentary, which, you know, allows more time and opportunity. I don't know how it's going to, you know, be done, but I would imagine it's, you know, a lot more storytelling about individuals, you know, and that's also very powerful. So, Number one, you know, kudos to everything that you're doing and uh, kudos to, you know, showcasing it in different creative ways. We got to keep it creative. Otherwise, we just (laughs) we get stuck in the masses with everybody else. Right. Yes. Yes. Exactly. We make the we change the impression. Exactly. It would be a lot funnier if I was a dentist and I'd be like, let's make new impressions here. We're going to make new impressions. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, closing out, um, you know, this podcast is all about creating a thriving mindset. And, you know, this entire uh, talk about, you know, trauma, um, you know, everything that we've talked about. I want to know for you, you know, obviously, you know, what comes through is your passion about serving others through your work and that helps you to thrive. Mm-hmm. Is there something on a day-to-day basis that you do? Because we talked a little bit about self-care that you do for yourself. And I know that, you know, mental health clinicians, mental health professionals, you know, we don't, you know, typically ask, hi, how are you, you know, right. to the mental health professional. <laughs> But hi, hi, how are you, Sherry? Right? Um, um, I will yes. pause. And what makes <laughs> you thrive in addition to serving your community? <laughs> oh, I I will always be that. Practice what you preach. Otherwise, I I don't want to live under this ideology of hypocrisy. So everything that I do, I do first, and then I recommend second. So if there's a way to thrive, trust me, I've tried it. Let some of my errors help everyone else out. But first and foremost, like I tell everyone, with our bodies being our own vehicles for movement, nutrition. My nutrition is absolutely the most, just most voluminous part of my day. I, I do have a restricted diet, so I make sure I adhere to these things, but making sure I get what I need. So feeding myself, not just through food, feeding my soul, feeding my mind, feeding my spirituality, feeding my whole being is my three points of how I thrive. So my food, movement as my body allows, and being graceful and having that uh, sensitivity to be gentle on the days that I don't feel great. And the not hiding anything from my mind or my body. So congruence. If my body is telling me something, I need to honor that. If it's saying, no, you're tired. Okay. I think a nap is in order. No, you have energy. Go get those things done. Trust me, mentally, you feel better about it. Great. I'm going to take off and I'm going to do it. If instinctually going based on our primal self and our fight or flight is there for a reason, if instinctually something doesn't feel right, change it. And never be afraid of these things. Never be afraid to just be okay with being okay. And also being okay when you're not okay, but doing something different. So that is my self-care routine every single day. And it provides so much peace. It's amazing. I, I couldn't I couldn't sell that to somebody, but I will tell that to everyone. Mm. 
I love it. I love it. Uh, my favorite part about that was, uh, you know, congruence and really just being, you know, aligned. And mm-hmm. it, it is super important to take yourself accountable, um, you know, before, you know, dispensing. Yeah. Sherry, this has been wonderful. Um, if people wanted to reach out, uh, learn more um, about what you do, what's where's the best way to uh, reach out to you? So thepsychseries.com is my primary website. But on Instagram, for those of us that are on there, please find the Psych Series. Send me a direct message. The DM comes right to my phone. We all know we have our phones handy constantly. Also with the face of illness, same thing on Instagram. Those are my two primary methods that will get a hold of me ASAP. But my website also has contact forms and phone numbers that you can reach out to me. So either thefaceofillness.com or thepsychseries.com. Plenty of ways right on both of those pages and their single pages, single page contact forms right there for you will come right to my phone. If you couldn't remember anything else, but yet you remembered my name, Sherry Satello, you can even go the most easy way, sherrysatello at gmail.com. I make awesome. it very easy to find me. Please reach out. <laughs> Um, and the book is that is it is it on the fa- the face of illness uh, website mm-hmm. as well? Yes, it is, and it's on the Psych Series website, but it's on Amazon. So you can either oh. search on Amazon just by my name or the Faces of Illness, mm-hmm. and you'll see paperback or hardback. And again, all the proceeds I don't collect anything from it, so there's no personal gain. Everything goes right into funding the very next set of really fantastic individuals. I'm so excited about these families, including a little five year old girl but I won't disclose her name yet. Such a princess, but it's important folks. Um, If you can, great. If you can't, I understand. Oh, and there's a GoFundMe that'll also go towards funding these individuals, getting here, getting set. I'm doing three day retreat style to make sure that them and their families are taken care of this time. Awesome. Awesome. And we'll put that into the show notes. Um, you know, once this airs and, uh, yes, please definitely, you know, people reach out and donate. And so we can have these stories, you know, told Sherry, thank you so, so much. I really greatly appreciate, you know, your time with us. It's been a lovely conversation and uh, thank you for all you do. And you can, and as you continue to do as well. Thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you too. All right. Thank you so much for watching, guys. This has been another episode of Thrive Bites Podcast. If you like this, please like, comment, subscribe, and share. And if you feel like this was a benefit for someone else, please let them know. And until next time, please say goodbye to Sherry. <laughs> hey, guys, we hope you enjoy that episode. If you like that, please like, comment, and subscribe. And uh, please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and anywhere that you listen to your podcasts. And if you felt that this was a benefit for someone else, please let them know. And also remember that the first five seasons, 150 episodes, now can be seen and heard on our new The Chef Doc app. And don't forget to give us a five-star rating and we greatly appreciate it. So, and we'll see you on the next one.